you know why we're here tonight. In a few moments, we'll be asked to lay hands upon one of God's choicest servants. That meets man's approval and church approval. But tonight, I believe you sensed the approval of the Holy Spirit of God as he swept through here just a few seconds ago. And oh, what a breeze. Thank God tonight for this great occasion. And I'm glad that, thankful that the Lord has let this little country boy live long enough to see one of his saints and one of his buddies. Follow him further in the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Oh, all of you look so good. God bless you. God bless the man that we be laying our hands on in a few moments. What a blessing he is. When I think of Brother Greg, I think of I think of Paul and Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, passage of scripture, and I'll read these and you'll listen attentively. Paul to Timothy in the second letter. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in uh, thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Family, faith, Greg was no stranger to salvation and the spirit of God and the moving of God in the lives of people and the hearts of people because he had a mom and daddy that taught him too how to love God. And he saw them serve him. They taught him. In verse 6 it says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands, stir up the gift of God. And that's Greg. He just, he stirs hearts. You got yours stirred tonight, didn't you? Amen. It's a gift God gave him, touched him. For God hath not given us, in verse 7, the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. No, he's not crazy when he's crying and shouting. No, he's just, he just plugged into the right circuit. Amen. Yeah, we got a breeze from heaven on that a while ago. Be not thou for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. In verse 9, who hath saved us Timothy saved you, and he saved me, us, plural, both of us. If you're here tonight, you can put your name right there. He saved me and called us with a holy calling. 
Amen. Amen. Not according to our works. Greg's not here because he's good, not because he knows notes of songs and things. God's got his touch on him before he ever learned his first note. <laughs> not according to thy works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Boy, I like that. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Paul's in prison. Thinking he doesn't have long for this whole world. He's writing Timothy again. And he recalls about his life and his call to the ministry. First of all, he says, a call to remembrance, your faith. Your faith. And then not only that, but his family. As I mentioned a while ago. Families have so much to do with the lives of children and their outcome. Sow the right seed. My little old mama and daddy. My daddy couldn't read nor write. My mama barely could. Barely could read and she could barely write. But I can still see my mama in that old kitchen choking off them cathead biscuits. Right in the middle of it, she'd get to shouting. They'd be flour all over the kitchen and all over the apron. But I've eaten a many, many of a tear-filled biscuit of my mama. That's why I'm so healthy. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, Greg had the same, had the same thing. Thank God for him. But I remember his mom and his dad. But also remember Brother Greg telling about how he got to come to Pleasant Beach Baptist Church. I don't know. I I might have been on vacation or gone. I don't know, but. Anyhow, Brother Greg was calling a friend, but he got the wrong number. And he called Pleasant Beach Baptist Church Parsonage. And I answered on the answer machine and uh, thanked them for calling. You remember the, the, the little announcement that I had? Greg heard that, and he said... Uh, Told Tammy, he said, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm going to go over there. I, I want to go to that. I want to go to that church. And he came to Pleasant Beach. I wasn't there that night that he came, but he came. And we couldn't run him off. <laughs> He's been here ever since. And God's just been blessing him. And we just got another hug from heaven's Holy Spirit tonight. Whether anybody puts her approval on him tonight, the Holy Spirit of God's done that. And if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you know that that's true tonight. You felt what I felt. <laughs> People said, don't talk about feeling. Well, next time you get sick, don't talk about it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Thank God for Brother Greg. He came and he stayed. But anyhow... His little old mom and his little old dad instilled in him the plan 
of salvation. He said, and I, I had forgotten, I, did, I didn't know, but I had forgotten. I remember preaching revival meeting over there at the church where he was at. We had about 13 people saved. And Brother Greg was in the number of making professions of faith. And I can still see his little mother Ruth over there on that piano. Playing that piano. And one night, I might have been on Wednesday night. She got to shouting and a playing that piano. Everything in the house was a shouting. We had 13 people saved in that meeting. Greg was one of them. Now he told him back there a while ago that he didn't do exactly right and he had some doubts and things. But later on, just a while after that, he nailed her down. He got complete assurance and victory. And he's been serving God ever since, which brings me to my second point. His salvation and then his service. God's, if you call preachers, and God does, but I believe he anoints singers for certain. I think, Brother Greg, and you forgive me, I hope people listening and watching, <laughs> hope you won't hold it against me. I think he's the best in the country. Amen? I believe he is. And somebody said, well, you're, you're just prejudiced. I might be, but I tell the truth. <laughs> Amen? Oh, boy. But he, he sings with the anointing and the touch of God. And Sunday, you got a little taste of that. When the glory cloud came, oh, Greg, he just pulled over and let the Holy Spirit move. Boy, what a meeting. What a meeting. Listen, God's good. God's Amen. not dead. Amen. He's still on the throne. Amen. Just looking for somebody that'll obey him. And somebody will listen to him. And so I thank God for him and his service. God called him to preach. And we've heard him different times. And so tonight, I thought about the message, answer God's calling. So many times at the house, the phone will ring. Jan will say, honey, will you get that call? I believe it's the doctor calling. And so, yeah, I'll take that phone call. But you know, when God calls sometimes, people answers, but they're busy, too busy to talk to God. God knows. And buddy, when he called Greg, Greg was listening. And so, he surrendered to the service of the Lord. And then not only that, but the third thing. <clears throat> Greg stands in Christ. He stands with Christ. And he stands for Christ. Thank God for him. Thank God for a church that still loves and is not ashamed of the old-fashioned gospel. Amen. 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 And I want you to remember this. God gets no wrong numbers. He gets no wrong numbers. He might be calling you tonight. He might be calling a neighbor. He might be calling a friend. Would you please answer 
just answer. I'm glad to meet again Brother Dickerson over here. I remember his papa years ago. Never got to hear him preach. Never got to hear him preach. But oh, still hear wonderful stories about Brother C.B. Dickerson. Folks, we're living surrounded by heritage of great singing, great singers, and great preachers. Thank God. We got churches at the end of every holler. And you know what? God's still saving, and there's still room for more to be saved. Aren't you glad you're here tonight? Aren't you glad that you're getting to have a part? I commend, I commend our pastor for recognizing the gift of God on this man here. And I told him, I said, he's made a lot of decisions since he's been here. But one of the best, if not the best he's ever made, was when we put Brother Greg on full time. Yeah. He loves people. He loves you. Thank God. God loves him. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me for 43 years. Amen. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I just, I just rejoice to look and see your faces. So many of you. That this might be the last time I ever get to speak, ever get to see you like this again. But I look forward to seeing you over there. Maybe Gabriel step aside for a little while and let Greg lead Heaven's Choir. When we get there, when we get there, we'll have a singing time in glory. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this sweet man of God. Thank you for this wonderful church. Lord, the best people in the world. Perfect, no that they're the best people in the world. And Lord, I'm so glad that you took time tonight to come to this meeting and just swept through this congregation with a holy, holy breeze from heaven. With all the people that's here, you let us know that you're here tonight too. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got another special treat for you. Um, Brother Greg told the story. I didn't realize. I didn't remember. Maybe I'd heard it before. But that first service they, he came to here, um, Brother Bob was preaching somewhere else or on vacation. I don't remember. And uh, But Tawana sung a song. You got your microphone and everything? I didn't think so. Brother Greg, you want to You got to work during your ordination service, too. <laughs> well, uh, let's get what, make sure she's got what she needs. Um, but... Miss Twana sang that day, and uh, the song she sang is one of our favorites, and uh, it's I'd Rather Have Jesus. And so he asked, and I thought it would be appropriate tonight uh, to have her sing that song. And there you got what you need there. So you pray for her as she sings.
Amen. Amen. I hope that's a true testimony in your life, uh, that you'd rather have Jesus than anything. And I'm praying for God to continue to use us. And I've enjoyed being here tonight. And I'm thankful for what God is doing. I want you to go with me, and I'm going to read just a couple passages to you and make just a few brief comments. And um, then we'll have a time of special prayer over Brother Greg and, and uh, what we're doing tonight. I want you to go with me First 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And I really have three simple statements I'm going to give you. And they're going to come from a couple different passages of Scripture here in these pastoral epistles. But by way of introduction, I want to say this to you. What we're doing tonight is not all about man. You know, some people have the idea, say, well, how did you get in the ministry? How did you get that church? How did you get here? You know, someone asked Brother Greg, why did you quit your good job? You know, well, there's one answer. We find that pattern in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy, says in verse number 1, or verse number 11, I'm sorry, of chapter 1, he says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So uh, Apostle Paul said, you know, I, I know the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, it was committed to my trust. Now notice verse 12. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for he counted me faithful. Notice this, putting me into the ministry. I want to understand something. What we're talking about tonight and recognizing tonight is what Brother Greg has said to us. This is what God wants for his life at this time. And what we're coming along as a church and as family and as friends, we said, well, we recognize this. This is God enabling you, look, putting you in the ministry. I'm thankful personally for what God has done in my life. As a 16-year-old boy, I surrendered to preach. Of course, I told God I'd never pastor a church. I also told the Lord I'd never pastor a church in East Tennessee. But you see how God works. And But please don't miss this. Tonight... It's not like, well, I know Greg, or I've known him. No, what we're recognizing is, look, this is what God is doing in putting him now in a place of full-time ministry. I give you three things tonight. Number one, I first give you a word to the church. If you turn over a page or two in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter number 5, in just a moment, we're going to lay hands on Brother Greg. And for some of you say, what in the world is that about? If you study the New Testament, Acts chapter number 6, uh, there was a murmuring among the widows and there was the necessity for the office of the deacon to happen. And, and so in Acts chapter number 6, they, they prayed and they, they looked among them, men of honest report, full of the whole ghost of wisdom. And the Bible says this, and then the church, when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. They recognized them for this position. We finished Acts chapter number 12 this morning, and Lord willing, next week or so, we'll, we'll go to Acts chapter number 13, and it's the calling and sending forth of Barnabas and, and Paul. We have a missionary I mentioned to you a moment, a friend here with us tonight, and, and that in Acts chapter number 13, they laid hands on that missionaries and sent them forth. 
And so as a church tonight, we're laying hands on someone. You say, that's an old practice, but it is a Bible practice of saying this, we're committing ourselves, we're recognizing God's hand on your life, and we're sending you into the, the field that God has for you. We find the principle again in 1 Timothy chapter number 5, talking about the pastors. And now Brother Greg has come to be an assistant pastor here. It says in verse number 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in word and doctrine. And for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the oxen that treadeth the corn, and the laborers worthy of his hire. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Verse 21 says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. But notice in verse number 22, lay hands suddenly on no man. <laughs> Neither be partaker of other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. Now, when I was a boy, I read that passage that said, lay hands suddenly on no man. I thought that might mean don't hit somebody. You know, don't swing fast. This verse doesn't mean swing fast. This means this. It means do not put your stamp of approval. Do not put your public stamp of approval on someone suddenly, someone that you don't know. You say, what's the seriousness of it? The Bible says here that if we do that, then we're partakers of that. We are partially responsible for that. Look in verse number 22. It says, be, and neither be partaker of another man's sin, but keep thyself pure. So tonight as a church family, as a pastor, we're saying we recognize this is what God is doing in this man's life. And we're coming along as a church, which we're excited about and, and thankful about. And we're saying, yes, Lord, we recognize this too. And now let me say this. In just a moment, we'll do an official laying on of hands, but the commitment we make as a church is this. We're, we're, we're committed to doing those things. The Bible talks about, about praying for and honoring those in the ministry and caring for. And so here as a church, my word to the church is this. It's not just a visible laying on of hands as much as it is a spiritual standing behind let me give you a second one. Not only did I give you a word to the church, but let me give you a word about the charge. Turn over a page or two to 2 Timothy chapter number four. Some of you are thinking I've got a series of messages, but I promise I don't. But Paul says in his second letter to Timothy, he says, now the time of my departure is at hand. I'm, I'm about to be offered up. But right before he says that to them, he says, he says in verse number, chapter number four of 2 Timothy, he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Look, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned into fable. But watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. And then he talks about finishing his course in verse 6 and 7. You say, what's the point about the charge? The charge is this. It lets us know that there are seasons of life. He says, whatever season you be ready to preach the gospel, you be ready, instant in season, out of season, and we recognize now this season of life. We, we also see in this charge that the word of God is central. 
When you think about a preacher, you think about this, you remind yourself that sound doctrine is essential, the, the value of doctrine. You find this, he says, preach the word. You find in this charge that we would give to someone here in the ministry is this, that the word of God is the answer. All afflictions come. He says, endure afflictions. There's afflictions that come. But he says, there's a work to do. He says, make full proof of thy ministry. The charge is a charge to preach the word of God. The charge is a charge to endure afflictions. But let me say this to you. It is also a charge to finish the course. You say, Brother Mark, I'm not going into the gospel ministry, but all of us have the same charge, and that is to finish the course that God has given us. Tonight we recognize that this season of life, Brother Greg is coming and stepping out by faith and coming to join our church staff and to be an associate pastor. And he knows the value of the word of God and he knows the value of sound doctrine. and He understands what afflictions are. But can I say the challenge is still this, that we finish the course that God has given us. So I give you a word about the charge. And, but then I hasten to this third one and I'm done. I give you a word about our Christ. Notice here the emphasis is this, that you preach the word, that you preach sound doctrine. You find in chapter 4, verse number 1, that he says, I charge thee before God, and notice this, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. He said, I remind you that at the end of this journey, there's one you answer to. Now, I understand I'm the pastor of this church, and Brother Greg understands the, uh, his role, and, and brother, brother Bob talked about in the ordination council about how loyal Brother Greg had been, how he stood with him in difficult times and circumstances. I, I'm not talking about that, but at the end of the day, we're not serving a man. At the end of the day, we recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ is our righteous judge. And I say this to you, a word about Christ. Yes, he's the judge. It's 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, I'd rather say to you. If you don't mind, just turn there with me. We got just a second. I'll finish up and we'll pray. So Christ is the judge. We understand that. But can I say this to you? Christ is just not the judge at the end. Christ is the message of the ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. said, you mean a bloody Roman cross makes a difference in eternal salvation? And we say yes a hundred times over. The world says that doesn't make any sense. Well, the Bible told us it wouldn't. they'd say it wouldn't make any sense. He says, verse 19, for I did, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and to bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. For where is the wise and where is the scribe and where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world was made by the wisdom, but the, the world by wisdom knew not God. Yet it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. 
You go down through there and he says this. He makes it to where no glory, no, no flesh would glory. He confounds the wise and he uses the, the simple things of life. And he reminds us, look, that the message of the ministry is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's who he is and it's what he's done. And by the way, it's what he will do. Brother Greg said a moment ago, that how great thou art. And, uh, you know, when, when Christ shall come. Oh, it's, it's happening. Matter of fact, it's what we're waiting on. And it should be what we're longing for. He's the message, but I say this to you. Turn over a page to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I want to write unto you as spiritual, but I couldn't. He says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Verse 3 says, you're carnal. Whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not carnal or walk as men? He said, while one saith, I'm of Paul, another saith, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even the Lord gave every man. He said, I have planted Apollos of water. Notice this, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything nor he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then notice this in verse number nine. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husband, or you are God's building. Later in that chapter, it talks again about our responsibility and our judgment. But not only, let me say this to you, not only is Christ the judge, not only is Christ the message, but please don't miss this. Christ is the co-laborer. What we're saying is, Brother Greg's coming alongside to help us and to help me. And I said to you a moment ago, I'm eternally grateful for that. We have on the platform, uh, Pastor Stout, been here 43 years. And, and we talked about this ordination council. And I understand what people are saying. They said, oh, you took Bobby's church. People have been around here a long time. I'd be like, I just say, yeah, and smile. I mean, I don't expect them to be Bible scholars. But the truth is, we understand this is the Lord's church. And what we're doing is, look, for Pastor Stout for many years, myself for years, and Brother Greg for many years, what we are, look, we are, yes, co-laborers together. We talk a lot about that. It says we're co-laborers together, but don't miss this. We're laboring with God. It is God who enabled us and putting us in the ministry. And then not only is he the message and not only is he the judge, he doesn't wait for us to get done and then judge us and tell us we could have done better, we should have done better. He doesn't just say this is what to say. He says, I'll walk with you, I'll help you, and I'll labor with you every step of the way. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so tonight I say this to the church. Let's pray. For one another, not only Brother Greg, not only myself, not only just the men on this platform, but let's pray for the work of God. I say this to you. Let's make much of the word of God. Much of the word of God. And then look, let's labor together in the power and energy of the spirit of God, not in the power and energy of flesh. Because he is the message and he is the I want you to bow with me.